Well, a maximum lawman run down Flamingo Chasing a rat and a barefoot girl The kids around here look just like shadows Always quiet, holding hands And from the churches to the jails Tonight all the silent in the world Yes, we take our stand Welcome back to the Chris Williams Podcast Hour, and what a privilege it is for me to have today's podcast guest. I say privilege because my guest was the first head coach to give me an opportunity to coach football. Also, a privilege because his family was and is always so sincerely welcoming to me and my family. Yes, It doesn't hurt that his wife, and this is no exaggeration, makes the best pumpkin roll in the world. If my mom was still here, she'd probably be randomly calling me to find out how she could possibly get some more made and sent to her. My former coach and boss, Jim McQuaid, joins the podcast today. Thank everyone for listening to the podcast and make sure you're following the podcast on social media. You can follow the Chris Williams Podcast Hour on both IG and Twitter at the Chris Will Pod. And on Facebook, it is simply the Chris Williams Podcast Hour. I say this all the time, and I will repeat myself. All of our podcasts are good. So enjoy the content you are familiar with, but try the unknown. You will learn something from it. And more importantly, You'll get hooked. Today's Privilege Podcast is brought to you by our sponsor, Yes Pallets. Yes Pallets, the pallet removal, waste removal, and recycling removal company that places risk mitigation, OSHA compliance, and customer-obsessed service first. They can upscale at a moment's notice and remove barriers to provide you with a safe and clean work environment. All right, all joking aside, the pandemic has had an effect on all of us. In some ways, we've gotten stronger, but in some ways, it's weakened us. I ask everyone to do a little extra, give a little extra, and check on each other. That little extra that you give might be the difference in someone's life. So just give a little extra. I want to take six seconds Yes, six seconds of silence to show respect and support and say my heart goes out to the St. Ed's community. This is the Chris Williams Podcast Hour.
Podcast Hour. And today, I have the privilege of having a very special guest, one of my former coaches and a man I call friend. For 32 years, he was a head high school football coach at Louisville, St. Thomas Aquinas, St. Ed, Cincinnati LaSalle, and Solon High School. After 219 wins, he stepped down to become the athletic director at Solon High School. He's the nicest and the most competitive man you will ever meet. Please help me welcome to the Chris Podcast Hour a true leader, gentleman, and family man, the one and only Coach Jim McQuaid. Coach McQuaid, welcome to the podcast. Oh, man, it's, a, it's an honor to be here. Uh, I'm sure you've got a huge list of other people you could be talking to, so I, I really appreciate it and uh, been looking forward to it. And i got a lot of people that are anxious to, to hear the podcast this coming week when it comes out. So thanks, Exciting. Chris. No, yeah. no problem, no problem. You say I have a lot of people, but your career, it, it's very – distinguished so it stands out so that's why i have you on here so i appreciate you taking the time and again it's a it's a privilege it really is a privilege for me to have you on so and and taking the time to share your story with me and my listeners but uh so coach you're a modest guy i know that but you do have an edge your competitive side so i need to bring that out in you and as i tell all my guests this podcast does not work unless you share your stories and shamelessly plug yourself. So you have to brag <laughs> okay. on yourself and your career. Now, your challenge is that you tell your story and entertain better than Coach Flaherty and Coach Irvis did as my previous guest. Oh, man, that's going to be rough. Jeez. Uh, <laughs> probably, uh, there's probably a turkey sandwich riding on this thing. With, or no, wait, maybe a couple donuts with Coach Irvis with this thing. So. It's a lot of more pressure than coaching in a game. Jeez, oh, man. So. <laughs> I love it. I love it. All right. So, Coach, you, got, you have a rich sports history. So let's start this podcast by you talking about your amazing family, your incredible mom and dad, and the natural impact that they had on you. Well, you're, you're exactly right. Um, my mom and dad were phenomenal supporters. Um, my dad was a coach. He was a high school football coach. Uh, we, he started in Cincinnati. He went to Cincinnati Purcell, and then he coached there. Um, in fact, he coached Roger Staubach at Cincinnati Purcell. Um, Roger Staubach was a, a receiver on my dad's JV football team, and their quarterback got hurt. So he moved Roger Staubach to quarterback for, on the JV football team. And um, and I would tell guys that in college, like we lived in this house with a bunch of guys, and I have this one roommate that um, uh, he lives in Canton, and he helps with the Hall of Fame when they have, you know, the, all the Hall of Fame guys come in for the ceremony in August. And this past summer, he was in charge of Roger Staubach, and he, and, uh, he said, hey, Mr. Staubach, can I ask you this question? He goes, I had this roommate in college, and he was always bragging about how his dad coached you in high school, and we kind of thought he was, you know, too much college celebration and was bragging too much and stuff. And, and he's Roger Staubach's like, well, what's his name? He said, Jim McQuaid. He said, Roger Staubach talked to him for a half hour about my dad and everything that he did for him and stuff like that. So, you know, 30 years later, I, I wasn't BSing anybody. And um, when I, when I went, got into like the end of in high school and college, 
then I became a know-it-all. You know, my parents didn't know anything, and I knew everything, and, <laughs> and, and, and especially my dad. I'm James Patrick McQuaid IV. My, we have a son who's James Patrick McQuaid V. So my dad was a coach. You know him. He was a very powerful guy, and I didn't want to do what he did. I wanted to set my own path. And then um, when I couldn't play anymore in college, um, they asked me to coach. I graduated from Warren JFK, and they asked me to coach, and it was the best thing that I ever did. And um, up until he passed uh, five years ago, my dad was at every game. My mom and dad were at every game that I ever coached. And um, you always knew where they were in the upper corner of the stands. And um, I'm hopefully I'm still making them proud with the things that we've done. So um, that's kind of, you know, the start, and um, that's all we've ever done. I Oh my gosh, we would we would go to bed in the summer. My brother and I have a brother who's a year younger than me, and and we would go to bed in the summer so we could go with our dad to two a days. And um, you you couldn't go on games until you were in second grade. So um, oh, that wow. was that was in the early '60s, um, you know, like mid '60s. So I I've been on a team every year uh, since the mid sixties until, you know, this past year. So this, this fall will be the first time that I'm not on a football team either, you know, as a, with my dad or as a player, you know, grade school, high school, college, and then coaching. So it'll, it'll be an adventure. That's for sure. So, um, and, and a lot of people get you on your way, but my mom and dad definitely started it for sure. And they were a unique pair also, if you remember, my dad was six four and my mom was four nine, so um, I always blame my mom. I always thought I was going to play for the Browns, but with a four nine mom, I wasn't tall enough. So, and, and it's probably her <laughs> fault because my dad was tall enough to get me there, but she was there. But no, that was that that was our joke all the time. That, that but she was four nine, but she was in charge. I know my dad thought he was, but no, his six four coaching. My mom was ran the show for sure, just like your mom did. Yes, Same thing. Yes. Yeah. I know. At four nine, she had a strong presence. Your mom and your dad, his stature. So, you know, it was always a joy to see them at the games, and you know the enthusiasm that they had. It was incredible and it was infectious. So, oh, if you be were proud. If you were part of be the proud. team. You were part of their team. Once you were, yeah. I, I remember when I was at Solon, my dad would ask me questions about like St. Ed's wrestling you know, because Greg Urbis was the coach. And I was like, Dad, I, I don't really know. You know, it's like, well, you know, come on. I saw him on the news and stuff. And I mean, you talk, I know <laughs> we have a couple other things going on right now, but Greg Urbis was part of his team because we were at St. Ed's together, you know, Dan Flaherty and, and all the St. Ed's guys and, and guys that I've coached anywhere anywhere that I, that I was. I mean, it was kind of cool when we went to Cincinnati because that's where my mom and dad were from. So they kind of reconnected with a lot of people. They they lived in Warren, the, you know, the last 30 years of their life, and they came to every game when I was a coach in, at Cincinnati LaSalle for four years. Every Friday they would drive four or five hours and then stay overnight and go back the next day. So I, I was very, very lucky, very lucky for sure. Yes, yes. Yeah. All right. Now, high school, you attended Warren JFK High School. So, and I believe that's a private school in Warren, Ohio. What was JFK like? And who were some of your rivals and the big-time players during your period? Well, first, first we went to – we moved all over the place because my dad was coaching. From Cincinnati, we went to Ashland. 
Then from Ashland, we went to Avon. Then from Avon, we went to JFK. And then from there, we went to uh, Erie Prep. We went to Erie, Pennsylvania. And oh, then wow. we came back, and he coached at uh, Youngstown Liberty. And I went, to, I went to Kennedy, my brothers and sisters. So um, I went to Erie Prep in, in ninth grade. And um, it was very competitive. I mean, we, we, I was on a ninth grade football team that we didn't give up a point the entire year um, playing freshman football. And, you know, when you play, you remember those, those years. You remember when you played in eighth grade. You remember when you played in ninth grade, right? It's, it's, you remember certain things about every year, every team that you played on. And then we moved, to, we moved to Warren, and I played against my dad. He was the head coach at Liberty, and I, was, I played at Kennedy, and we were in the same league. So I played against him. Uh, man, I remember when we were playing, the week we were playing Kennedy. I mean, I was jacked up playing against your dad and at the <laughs> school, you know. And, and I mean, it was, it was intense. And I, I, remember, I remember my mom coming up to me like the, the week of the game, you know, when I got home. And she, you could tell she was so nervous and everything. And she's like, I've been thinking about this a lot, and I'm just going to let you know that I'm going to sit on the Liberty side for the game because I, I think it will just be hard if I'm on the Kennedy side and people are yelling about your dad and, you know, because he used to coach there and they want to beat him and stuff. And I was like, you know, I'm in high school, so self-centered. And I'm like, all right, Mom, whatever. What's for dinner? You know, it's just like sweaty bullets and stuff. And now that I have my own wife and I see what she goes through in the stands and stuff of all these years of coaching, I, I can't imagine what she was going through. And I, and I just, I mean, it meant nothing to me. And, of course, we won the game 14 to nothing. So that was a, that was a continuous uh, thing that, that for somehow 40 years later, that score would come up every now and then, you know, with oh, me wow. and my dad for, for things <laughs> like that. And then um, – when I played in the 70s, the mid-70s, when I was at Kennedy, there were only three classes. There were AAA, AA, and single-A. And I grew up in Warren, Ohio. Kennedy's a Catholic school. It's the first school in the United States that was named after uh, President Kennedy because it was being built in, the, in 1963. And after President Kennedy got assassinated, it was going to be called um, Immaculate Conception High School, and then when President Kennedy got assassinated, who was also the first Catholic president of the United mm-hmm. States, they renamed the school to John F. Kennedy High School. And that's the first school in the country that was named after President Kennedy. So um, most people don't think of it as being a Catholic school, but that, that's how it, that came about. And um, when we were in high school, you know, we were in AA, and they only took one team from each region for the playoffs. So only four teams qualified to make the playoffs. Um, wow. And we were ranked uh, number one, number two in the state of Ohio, and we were playing Akron, St. Vincent, St. Mary, and they were ranked number one in the state. Um, and they beat us. Um, at the end of the game, they beat us, and then they made the playoffs, and we didn't. So um, it was great competition. I, I played, you know, this guy named Jim Mitlow. He was uh, player of the year two years in a row, lineman of the year in the state of Ohio, double-A, Ed Klebovis, who went on to be a captain, the University of Cincinnati, um, I remember Ed, Woody Hayes coming to practice one day, coming to one of our practices one day, because they were recruiting at Cobobus, and uh, 
I did not understand why he wasn't taking a look at me because I was kicking butt in that practice and Coach Ace <laughs> had no interest in looking at any of us. But I know for sure it was the best practice we ever had and having those coaches there. And it was just a great environment. When I was growing up in, in Warren in high school, the middle guard for the, in the Ohio State-Michigan game were both from Warren, Ohio. For three years, Tim Davis played at Warren Western Reserve. Uh, the three years I was in high school, and Aaron Brown played at Ohio State. They were starting middle guards in the Ohio State-Michigan game. Um, and uh, the Browner brothers, Ross Browner, Jimmy Browner, William Browner, I, all play, I played against them in, in grade school. And um, it was just a hotbed of, of guys going to colleges all over the country, and it, it was a great place, to, great place to grow up for sure. And that was, you know, that was – how we tried to – we kind of got started in the in the football being around it all the time. Okay, okay. Mm-hmm. And, and what position did you play, Coach? I was a center and a middle guard, but I was primarily a center. Um, I started at center um, the years I played, and then I – I, like I had mentioned, um, Jim Mitlow, who was lineman of the year in the state of Ohio, was nose guard. He started at Bowling Green for four years. So he was the middle guard. So I was the, like the second team middle guard. So I'm like, I'm never going to go in at, at middle guard. Come on, this guy's all, he's all world. So we're playing <laughs> a game, and I played center, you know, so I was an offensive specialist. So when we're on defense, you know, I'm drinking water and telling guys what to do. And and uh, we're playing, we're, we're undefeated, and we're playing, uh, we're, we have a really good team when we're getting ready to play Akron St. V's. We're playing at LeBray. And they start yelling my name out on the sideline. I'm like, what, what's going on? And, like, Mitlow's hurt. So I go in the game at middle guard. I'm like, oh, my gosh. <laughs> the first first play, you know, we always slanted, you know, slant right, slant left. I slant. They don't block me. The quarterback goes to, to hand off the ball, and the ball goes on the ground right in front of me. We're like on their – it's like on their 20-yard line. I got 20 yards to the end zone. I pick the ball up, and I'm like, oh, my God, I'm going to score. The first play that I'm in on defense in my career, I'm going to pick the ball up and score. So I start – I pick it up. I start running. This guy comes and hits me from the side. I think the ball was like shot out of a, you know, a jugs machine when you're doing it for kickoff and it's straight up in the air. It must have gone 100 feet in the air. And I thought my ribs, I thought I was going to start biting my ribs and my mouth. He hit me so hard. And then I could never lift that down because, you know, I thought I would score. And, and, you know, I don't know how to carry the ball or anything. And this guy hit me and this ball went flying up. And that, that was basically the end of my defensive career after that. And I just played center and then I went to college to play center center also but you talk about size and everything I I I don't think I ever weighed more than 150 pounds when I was in high school but oh wow you just play hard and you you kind of don't have any fear you love the game and it doesn't matter and I think I I think that kind of helped me with smaller guys in my coaching career too I kind of always was open into giving them a shot too so that was uh, a great place to grow up, and I have no regrets at all about, you know, moving around, and I, I think it helps you, and it's helped our kids too, moving around and having to make changes and adjustments, you know, as you go through life for doing those things. Okay. Okay. That's a great story. That's mm-hmm. a great story. So, <laughs> Coach, I have to ask you this. So, 
If yeah. you were coaching, if you were coaching yourself, first of all, how would you rate yourself as a center, and what would uh-huh. be your approach to coaching yourself? Well, I I I loved everything about football. For some reason, it just it it was just the niche that I had. So, um, you know, my dad, my dad was. My dad was a there, – there was never any gray area with my dad. You always knew exactly where you stood. So, like, my brother and I, if we weren't doing what we were supposed to do, then we were supposed to go in the backyard and plug it out. You know, we weren't supposed to sit there and call each other names and tattle and stuff like that. Then just go deal with it. Go outside and, and plug it out and then fall. You know, in our neighborhood – the games ended with when Jim, my brother Marty, Jimmy and Marty would start fighting. That's how every game would end in our neighborhood. So because that's what, that's what we did. So just give me a chance. Give me a chance, and I'll give you everything that I that I have. I would lift weights. I couldn't. I couldn't. You know, I wouldn't get bigger. I weighed a certain amount. Um, they wouldn't. They wouldn't let me go on the scale when I was in, in high school because they didn't want to know what I weighed for sure. Um, and then I, I guess probably this, one of the things that I'm the proudest about is is how I was as a player. Is that um, a few years ago I was, you know, I talked about the history of Warren, Ohio, and all the people. Well, for some reason I was I was uh, selected and inducted into the Warren, Ohio Sports Hall of Fame, and the the person, the main person who nominated me was my coach, one of my coaches in high school. So um, to me, that was kind of, I think that's kind of a pretty cool thing that I must've done something. I must've shown him. I thought I played hard and I thought I worked hard and I think he agreed or he wouldn't have nominated me to to be in that pretty cool award of being a part of that. So just get after it. You can yell at me all you want. Coach, you can do whatever you want to do. Just don't say I can't do this because I only weigh 150 pounds or something like that. And I, I say I say to our teams all the time, I got my butt kicked by a lot bigger guys than anyone out here, and I'm still here. So there's there's nothing we would never go into a game thinking we couldn't win or we couldn't compete against anybody because that's how you live in life, and and that's what you lived in Warren, Ohio. That's all we that's all we did. One a couple years ago, my son who plays for us at Solon. One of the um, one of the players said, "How come your dad never wears slides or flip flops, um, you know, around practice or anything?" And I just said, "You can't you can't be in a fight with slides or flip flops in Warren, Ohio. So you wear tennis shoes and cause so you're ready to go. So that's nice. what that's how we did things. We didn't go looking for it, but it was just you treat people with respect and you you fight for everything that you get. And that's what we tried to do." Okay, okay, and that's definitely carried over with you. So that's a theme that I've heard before, and you tell the uh, your players. So uh, congratulations uh-huh. on the Warren induction. That, that's a oh, huge accomplishment. So congratulations. I love that. I thanks. love that. Thanks. So obviously you go on, you play in college, you graduate. At what point do you realize you you wanted to be a coach? I know you said you coached in, in college, but at what point did you realize you wanted to be a coach? Well, I, I didn't want to be a coach when I was in college because that's what my dad did. So I was totally against doing that. I was going to be a I was going to be a, a businessman. I was going to major in accounting and go make a lot of money and do stuff that way. 
And then when I couldn't play anymore in college, um, the, one of the coaches at Kennedy, they said, you got to help us out. When you're home in the summer, you got to help us out. And I'm like, uh, I don't know. I mean, my dad was a coach there. He was the AD there. He had since retired, but it was kind of, you know, the name, it was, it was like Jim McQuaid's son. You know what I'm saying? So I was like, I don't <laughs> yeah. know. I'm, I'm not, I'm, I'm into, and now I'm in college. So, you know, come on, this is over. This stuff is over. I'm moving on and, and things like that. I was very disappointed that I couldn't play anymore. Um, so I was like kind of making a break. One thing I say, I, I was possessed with lifting weights. The day I stopped playing football was the last time I went through an intense weight workout. I, I had, I never missed a workout when I was playing high school, college, but the day I stopped playing football, I, I had no desire to lift weights anymore. So I was moving on. And then this, uh, um, his name was John Gillen. He was, he was like a partner of my dad's and a coach. And he was now a freshman coach at Kennedy and the AD. He's like, just come up and help me out for seeing if you don't like it after a day or two, then you can, you, you don't have to do it. So I went up there and it was, it was like, it, it, it came right back. You know, they say you, 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 once you, you know, you follow up, once you ride a bike, you never forget how and stuff like that. Once mm-hmm. I was back out there on the practice field, like with my dad, when I was, you know, second grade and going to practice and, and stuff, I'm, I was like, it came back and it's like, this is the best thing ever. And then, um, then I just said, okay, I changed my major. I was going to be a Spanish teacher because I was good in Spanish. So I changed my major oh, wow. in college and I was, I was majoring in Spanish. I took like five Spanish classes in college. And then I took this class. It was myself and 10 other girls in this class. And <laughs> you could never say, you can never say a word of English. You couldn't say one word of English. And I'm like, I'm out of my league here, these girls. And I don't know what they're saying about me, but they're always saying stuff and they're laughing and stuff, but it's all in Spanish and I don't know what they're saying. So then I changed. I said, well, then I'll, I'll major in business and accounting. And if I don't like teaching, then I can go back. I, you know, I could have taken the CPA exam and, and do that. And then um, I did that. Um, and then they asked me to student teach at Kennedy in the fall. So I student taught there and then I coached. And then I graduated, and, and then I started, you know, full-time teaching and coaching. As soon as I, I graduated and I started it with, you know, two years of experience already under my belt from teaching, and I even coached in college at a, a middle school. I went to Ohio Wesleyan, and I taught it. I coached at a middle school in Delaware, Ohio. So I had a, it was like I had some experience, almost like an internship, you know, that you get in other wow. jobs before yes. you graduate. Yeah. Wow. Awesome. Yeah. That is awesome. Yeah. All right, Coach. Forty plus years of you give everything to the sport of football, and, and more importantly, to the lives of young people and many adults. So, do you ever stop to think about it and reflect on how many people you have influenced or been a positive role model for? Um, n- no, <laughs> no, I, I, I haven't met until you, as you mentioned it, like, like this. Um, see, I, I always tried to, I always tried to make it where, um, everybody was a part of the, the, the group was the most important part. The team was the most important thing. Um, I, cause I think that's the only way you can be successful is, um, trying to get everybody to work together, to be a part of the group and everybody 
everybody to understand that your role um, might not be what you want it to be, um, but what you're doing is contributing to the betterment of everybody. Um, and there's nothing like being a part of a group that comes together and succeeds. That I hated, I hated the banquet every year because that, that was it. That was it for the seniors leaving. That, that was kind of the final way that we were together. And I, I, I just didn't like it. It was very sad for me saying goodbye to those guys. But then the next day, we, and usually it would be like on the weekend or, you know, um, like a Sunday or something. But then the next day when you went to the weight room, it was like rejuvenated because now we're on the new path. And guys leave and they go somewhere else. Um, and, and now we get to do this again with a new group of guys. And, and you know, every, every team you were on every year, it was different, right? It wasn't yes. the same chemistry from one year to the other. And, and you remember things, you know, when you were a freshman at St. Ed's or a, a sophomore at NC State that were unique to that group. So I, I, I never – I don't think to try to think about it as individuals. Now, if we start talking names, oh, my gosh, there's hundreds of names. But I look at it as being a part of the group. And I was just a part of the group. I don't know um, – like – you coach. We coached together at St. Ed's. You didn't coach for me since I was the head coach, and I hope I presented it that way because that was also that was always my goal that that we weren't you know somebody has to be in charge. I get that, and but we were partners in that in coaching and, and doing those things, and and that's how I looked at it. And um, I hope that that I conveyed that to people over time. Absolutely, absolutely. But it's just. It's amazing, you know. I, I look back, talk to Gross, you know, some of the guys that you, mm. Rodney Bailey, those guys, and the, um, just so many positive things that they say about you and being a part of that group or that team that you said. So yes, you you built a, a team that was great, but you you really impacted in a positive way. Uh, many lives of many young students. So congratulations on that. Oh, and, okay. that, and that's 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 where I was going with that. That's all I yeah. wanted. To, if you've ever thought about that, so and, and coach, yeah, keeping it I, along. I, go ahead. So, no, I I know what you mean. Yeah, I think it, maybe as I look back on it, um, when when we had the pandemic, you know, we were we were not in school. Everything was virtual from like last March through the summer, and. I save things like I have. I have file cabinets in our basement. I have every practice plan of every day I've ever coached. Every practice wow. plan, I've always written it out, and I, I just, you know, I have folders with, you know, Akron Bookdoll, North Can Hoover, you know, Saint Ignatius, and you know the years and stuff. And so my wife asked me very politely if I could <laughs> get some of this condensed. So. I had some times, and that was pretty cool, looking through things. My wife would save stuff, you know, clippings and things like that, and put them in a folder like 1998, 97. So looking at that stuff and, and those things. I, I like seeing what guys do now, you know, um, to, to in their career now for doing things, you know, things that you do now that, that Dewan Gross does, Rodney Bailey, Chris Laporte. You know, we can go on and on with all kinds of names and, and just seeing what their their life is. The one thing 
I'll tell you as a coach, and, and you can tell me if you think the same thing, when you think of, of former players, you, they're, all, they're always a former player. You think of them as a former player. Like when I think of DeWan Gross, I think of him wearing that green and gold number five or that, you know, white and, and, and red number five at Nebraska or playing for the Rams or whatever. I don't think of him as he came in and last year he came to practice with, it, with his sons up to Solon. And, you know, he's in his mid-40s with children and that. But I still, I still picture him as a player, you know, and I don't know if you're the same way when you think it, guys. They're always players to you, and, and yes. then you, you follow what yes. they've accomplished. Does that make sense? Yeah. Yes, it does. It, it makes yeah. total sense. So I, yeah. I totally get so, that. All right. Yeah. That's, that's great. But, yeah. Coach, I always describe you to people as a, a family man who's fair, demanding, patient, nice, with a very competitive streak. So is that a fair assessment? And in one sentence, how do you describe yourself? Um, I, w- I would say in one sentence, I would say someone who, if he decides to do something, he will give 100%. And you, you have every ounce of what he, what he has to do that. That's that's what I would hope people would say about me. So um, maybe they do, maybe they don't, but that's what I'm striving for in my life. So if you ask me to, if if you ask me to to coach your team, I'm giving you 100%. You asking me to do this podcast, I'm in, man. I'm giving 100%. Every anything you want from me, I'll give it to you for doing that. And I think that's what I asked of every team that I was a part of um, yes. to do that. Love it. I love it. All right. So aside from mom and dad, who have been the most influential people to you? Um, well, um, the person that the person, John Gillen, his name is John Gillen. He was the athletic director and, and a, an assistant for my dad at, at Warren Kennedy. Um, he was probably the, my next mentor. I, he's the one that kept calling me to come and coach and to, to be a part of, um, you know, to redo it when I couldn't play anymore to, to come and coach. And if it wasn't for his just badgering me and, and trying to see something in me, I don't know if I would have, would have done that. Um, he was the athletic director at Warren JFK for 53 years. Um, wow. you know, and, uh, in, in fact, when he passed away, um, two years ago, uh, his family asked me to do the eulogy at his funeral. So that's probably one of the biggest honors I've had in my life to do that for someone who did so much for me. Um, I, my wife, Kathy, um, for sure. I mean, you, you can't, you can't, we have six children. Um, we, um, you know, for 32 years, we've been married for, we'll be married for 33 years this December. I was a head coach for 32 years. So, I can't do this job without her support and her being able to, you know, to help me um, do that. Um, so those are two people that really kind of guided, you know, got me on the road. And then um, I was, I think I'm, I'm extremely fortunate that I was, uh, I was an assistant coach for 10 years. And when you're an assistant coach, you know everything. I was the smartest assistant coach in the history of football. <laughs> Because I knew everything the head coach should have been done doing differently, right? I mean, none of it falls on you. Say, 
why are they doing why are we doing this you know you can yell in the meetings and say all this stuff and then go leave the door and it's not your it's not you on the on the line and i get it i mean every that's the way it's it's set up but i worked at i worked at warren kennedy for dennis zolchek then i went to mayfield and worked for byron morgan and then I went to St. Ed's and worked for Al O'Neill. And those three coaches are in the Ohio High School uh, Football Coaches State Hall of Fame. So um, for wow. me to say that I was a head coach, I think I'm extremely fortunate that I worked for three head coaches who are in the, the State Coaches Hall of Fame. And they all three were extremely different. Um, but the one thing that they all did is that if you put the time in and were willing to do things, um, they would give you more to do and let you do more things. So, and um, um, I'm very lucky to to have started with those guys. And then you look at you know working with guys that you work with. When when I became a head coach, I thought everybody had to be like me. That I was convinced that everybody had to be like me, and and that that was ridiculous. You you can't you can't have a, a program with ten Jim McQuaids or. 10 Chris Williams. You need different people bringing different ideas, different personalities, doing different things. Um, and, and I learned that from being around different coaches. I mean, Dan Flaherty. Um, I, I give Dan Flaherty, um, if anyone's ever talking about the history of St. Edward High School and St. Edward football, St. Edward athletics, because he coached many other sports besides just football and just how, what you want a person to be like, from leaving that school, I think they have to include Dan Flaherty in that conversation because of the example he set and, and the commitment that he gave um, to that school and, and to everyone involved for so many years. And um, he would be a, a big person that I would say has, has helped me. And I, you, I would, I know you would say the same thing too. Yes. Yes. Absolutely, Coach Flaherty. Yeah. Yes. Yes. Yeah. All right. So, 32 years as the man. Uh, you, you touched on it, but with you know Louisville, St. Thomas Aquinas, St. Ed's, LaSalle, and Solon. So describe your journey as a head coach, and and share some of the great stories during the ride. Geez, um, well the first the first year I I started applying for head jobs when I was 24, so I thought I should be a wow. I thought I should be a, a head coach. Um, I remember because I had I had been coaching the last two years of college, so you know, and you know when you're young, you you know you know way more. You think you know way more than you do. Um, I remember going to the first meeting at Mayfield as an assistant, and I was the I was going to be the freshman assistant coach, and um, you know we were going through the the playbook and stuff, and some of the older guys, you know, there would be a break, and they'd ask me, man, that that playbook must be like you know, a foreign language to you, reading all that stuff, and I would get so ticked off because I, I just wanted to say, I know more than you, and I've been doing this my run this my whole, you know, and it's like, you know, what a, what a know-it-all and stuff. So I, 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 had a, I had interviews. I got down to the finals. I remember I, I, I got offered a job in Ironton, Ohio, at Ironton St. Joe's wow. High School, and um, I was going to be a teacher, I was going to be the head football coach. I was going to do maintenance work, and I was single, and it took me forever. Ironton is, like, right at the bottom of the state, you know, where the, the state, you have that little, like, excess indention and the state of Ohio map, and, and I decided not to take it, and I had another offer, and I didn't take, you know, and you ask people for advice, 
And then um, our son was born, our oldest son was born in 1989, May 31st, and, and he got really sick. So he was in intensive care. We had to give him last rites and everything. Oh, and then wow. the St. Thomas Aquinas job opened, and they called me because I had made the finals two years previous to that job. And um, they called me, and we would go down the Rainbow every day, and, and at the beginning we would stay there, and I, I got the job. I went there and interviewed, and I got the job, and it was two weeks after our, our son was in intensive care for 18 days, and then we, he got, we brought him home, and then um, two weeks later I got this job. And um, we were going to – so I got the job on July 5th to go to Louisville, Ohio. And um, you talked about mentors. My wife was an award-winning teacher, middle school teacher. She taught a bunch of – a bunch of guys were, you know, that she's taught that are coaches now, and they always bring it up. The Gibbons brothers who coached at Euclid and Lake Catholic, they were her students. Jeez. Rick Finati is one of my wife's former students. Uh, John Orlesi coaches at Steubenville. Um, all these guys were altar boys and stuff. And the second I got that job, she drove to her school and resigned so we could move and do this. So, and she was, she was a way better teacher than I ever was. So that was, you know, part of that people that have helped me along the way. And, and we moved to Louisville. And when I got there, there were the coaches were already hired. It was July 5th, so there were, the assistants were already in place, and three of them had applied for the job and had not gotten it because I got it. So mm -hmm. it wasn't like a, a welcome home party when I got there. <laughs> it was like, oh, my God, they, they, they tested me on everything. Like everything that I said, they challenged it. And as I look back, the first month I despised it there. I wanted to leave every day because it was so hard. I just wasn't one of them. But then I, I won them over. And today, these guys, I mean, the one guy that was like our trainer and our strength coach and health coach, I, I would say Jim Kessler, he, he, he got me through that year. I wouldn't be here today if it wasn't for someone like Jim Kessler down there. And, and the other guys, I mean, I, I could name Joe Vegas, Larry Ons, Joe Bartolone, all these guys, and they became friends. And um, our biggest rival was Canton Central Catholic, and um, mm -hmm. they hadn't beaten them for a while. And we were both, and they'd always play week 10. And, and um, so, we, you know, we thought we had a chance to beat them, and they hadn't beat them in about five or six years. And um, so we go, we played them at their place. And, in fact, Coach Flaherty came, Coach Beck, some guys from St. Ed's came and, and were at the game. And, and we had a good team. We were 6-3, and three and we were fighting to make the playoffs. And we had, a, we had a, a check that if they came out with a certain defensive alignment, we would check and run just like a, like a pop pass, you know, to the tight end, just mm -hmm. coming in. We were in the I formation tailback. And we, we heard them a couple times during the game. So there's like three minutes to go in the game. And we're winning 13 to 8. This is 1989. And um, uh, to beat Canton Central, and, and people are going to go crazy. And it's, you know, I'm be the God's gift of coaching because we pulled this upset off and everything. So we have the ball like on our own five yard line, and we're trying to get out of there. And um, I never said to the quarterback, you don't run the check in these certain situations. So oh. he sees the alignment. And he calls the, the audible, and he, we run this little, like, pop pass to the tight end. Well, the linebacker comes right underneath it, and he throws the ball right in his chest. 
and the kid drops it. I mean, he could have he could have like walked into the end. I mean, he he could have crawled. He could have done it on his stomach oh. into the end zone, and we wouldn't have had him. And um, um, and he dropped it. I mean, if he catches it, we lose the game. And it was all on me. I mean, I was like, I never, you know, I thought it was all, man, I know my stuff, and we got this audible, and we smoked him on this audible. Well, yeah, but not if you're going to run it in certain situations. It's not appropriate. And and that was kind of a lesson that I learned that it's the players make a mistake, but it's still on. It's still the coaches. That was that would have been a mistake that he threw that ball and that. But that that wasn't on him at all. That was totally on me and not preparing him well enough to 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 be aware of that situation. So we lucked out and. Maybe if he would have caught the ball, I, we wouldn't be talking today for, for you know, for 32 years later. So, um, so I we loved it there. It was great time. The people were very supportive. We beat Canton Central, so we were riding high. And then um, Coach O'Neill had had some health problems at St. Ed's, and I had been there before when you played mm-hmm. as an assistant. So they they asked me to put my hat in the ring for that and. It wasn't an it wasn't a slam dunk decision that if I got offered the job I would go because um, as you know um, Louis, our our school St Thomas Aquinas was right down the street from North Canton Hoover and and Stark County football is rabid in Stark County yes. and it's a big deal there so um, it it was a um, it was deal but then St Ed's had called um, and we went through the interview process and then we you know we went to St Ed's and. Um, and th- and that was you know started a, a a different adventure for sure. St. Thomas was Division Four, St. Ed's was Division One, but I had been there before. And Mayfield, as an assistant, was Division One, and and that and um, that was that was when St. Ignatius started started their run when we when we went to to St. Ed's, um, and and that was you know the competition was ferocious. I mean just yeah. to get to get kids to decide to come to your school or not for that. Um, the first year at St. Ed's, oh, man, we, we probably – I can say that I never went into a game thinking that we couldn't win. Never, ever. I always believed that we had a plan that we could, we could win the game. There have been a couple games in my career that a couple minutes into the game – I said to myself, I, I was delusional. We we can't we can't win this game. <laughs> oh wow! And the, the 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 first year I was at St. Ed's um, when we played at St. Ignatius, they were they were just they they were really good. They were they were phenomenal, and it just said we have a lot of work to do. And I I give the kids and the coaches that were there um, that was as intense an off season as I can remember being around after that first year. So. I was there in 1990 was the first year. So that 90, 91 off season, that was, mm-hmm. that was as an intense an off season as I can remember that guys just committed to um, just committed to making things better and working their tails off. And then we beat them the next year um, at Lakewood stadium. So that was kind of like, you know, and you know, then when you were coaching and it was, Everything was about getting kids to want to come to St. Ed's and, and be a part of the program and, and um, just continue to, to – I always talk about it being this is about 20 years from now, 30 years from now. What are you learning today that will help you 
when you're, you know, there's tough things in your job or tough things in your family or your wife or your kids or yourself or anything like that. And I, I think we worked hard. You are a big part of that to get guys to understand that and, and to be yes. able to push forward when they, you know, when they left. So um, 1993 at St. Ed's, we had that triple overtime game. Um, I, I, from all the years that I have coached, I, a, a guy that has, you know, when they talk about somebody that when athletes have it, you know, they use word that use that word it. No one really. Mm-hmm. Everybody has different, you know, definitions of what it is. But Bob Adams, I mean, he had it. He 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 was he was a difference maker, and um, the things that he did. I I remember in in 1993 when we played Ignatius in that triple overtime game, we were losing 21 to seven with about eight and a half minutes to go in the game. And they didn't get the ball back until until about 30 seconds to go in the game, and the game was tied 21-20. So, and wow. and that was that was him believing, you know, and just leaving. I remember them introducing him at a at an assembly, you know, a rally at St. Ed's, and him just walking in. I mean, he was cocky, but that's why he was good. But just like walking out the center court and just like you know taking his palms and pushing them up into the air like you know, louder, louder, and they did. They cheered louder. You know, he was telling them <laughs> to cheer louder for him, and, and he did. They did. So that that's, you know, games like that. Of course, we didn't win the game. We didn't win the game when you played, you know, in, in, uh, mm-hmm. we, you know, in Fairfield, in Ohio State, um, and things still sting about games like that. But then you also look at things you can take positively, you know, positively about that and um, – you, everybody wants to win, um, and sometimes you lose sight of uh, you know, we worked so hard and we tried so hard and and to you know do we don't deserve to lose or anything. Well, the other team's saying the same thing. So if you're if you want to be good, you have to play good people, and if you play good people, then they're saying the same thing and they're doing the same things that you're doing. So how do you deal with not getting what you want? That's part of the equation also. So we won some big games there, um, and we lost some tough games too, and, and that's, that's, part of, that's, part of the, that's part of the deal. And, and, and how are you going to deal with that? And I think the pandemic has even made, magnified that even more with people being able to deal with life because everybody's losing everything. What's fair to anyone in a pandemic, right? There's nothing right. fair to anyone. So. What do you fall back on? Well, things you learned when you were a high school football player. I think it's the best place to teach. You would say the same thing, right? Mm-hmm. Uh, Absolutely. might say the basketball court's the best place to teach it. I get it. But we're football guys, so that's, that's how we were brought up, and, and that's, what you, that's what you do. And um, I think um, – and if I'm rambling, Chris, tell me any time. No, you're gr- and, this is great. Yeah. No, no, yeah. no, not at um, all. The other, you know, the other part you worry about as a head coach, like I was at, I was at St. Ed's for, for nine years, I think you worry about if, if, is your message still getting through? You know, you, you, are, you, are you saying things? Are they still listening to you and, and buying into what you're doing? And, and that's, always a, that's always a fear that you have as a, as a coach, and, and I think you have to be able to, to change up what you're saying and how you're doing it, and I think we tried to do it. We had different coaches 
come in, you look at the different coaches that we worked with when we were there and um, mm-hmm. the things that we, you know, we tried to do and different things. And um, I'll always be proud of, of what we did at St. Ed's and how we did it. And um, could it have been better? Sure, without a doubt. And um, I think we had good people there and we worked hard. And, and I think we were a team. So um, that would kind of summarize. That's what I think about it being at St. Ed's. So, and you yes. might think different, but you are part of it just as much as I was, too. No, it was. It's exactly how you, you described yeah. it, honestly. Yeah. It's exactly how you – so what yeah. was Cincinnati LaSalle like? Talk about that. Yeah, well, um, I, I, I grew up in – you know, I was born in Cincinnati because that's where my mom and dad were from, but then we moved. But we would go there every all the time because that's where all of my our relatives lived and my grandparents and everything. And um, if you remember, in, in 97 – or 96 and 97, we had played – um, elder, elder, um, Cincinnati yeah. Elder, and um, there's no place like playing at Cincinnati Elder. I, I mean, I don't. It, it's phenomenal. They call it the pit. And um, when we played them in '96, um, it was a phenomenal environment. Uh, we were undefeated. They were undefeated. Um, they, um, they, you know, it was just phenomenal. Um, environment. I remember an interception that DeWan Gross made, and a one-handed interception that was, I mean, no one could, if we put him on a, you know, the jumping thing in the weight room, he would never jump that high, but it was, you know, <laughs> competition, and, and it was a good game, but it was a tough trip, right? We played Ignatius yes. on Saturday night, we beat him in overtime, and then we went to Elder on Friday night. Um, I don't, nobody knows how to make that Cincinnati trip from Cleveland with a team. Do you stay overnight? Do you go the same day? Do you, everybody, um, everybody makes, does it different ways. So, um, but we had some, you know, we, we had some connection there. So then um, when I left St. Ed's, I, I believe that I was a division one football coach. So I wanted to stay division one football. I had some other offers of other schools um, and it was just a, a unique challenge. It was um, a phenomenal interview process. The, the main person on the interview was named Pat Mancuso. He was the coach at Cincinnati Princeton for like 30 years. It's in the wow. Hall of Fame. They used to have battles with Cincinnati Moeller every year. And um, he was like the leader of the interview process. And, and it, was, it was like pure football. You had to break down film and you submitted you know, they get, sent you a, a foul game film, and you, which other people had dig. When I, I had applied to jobs in previous years in Maslin and Kent McKinley, and, and then, um, then you talk about it, and it was, it was, you know, it wasn't saying, what's your philosophy on offense? You showed it, you know, by going through the film and everything. And, and then um, the, the, the place was great. The student, the student excitement was phenomenal. It just the the competition was was um, unbelievable. the The last five games of our every year, our last five games were Moeller, Elder, Saint Xavier, Camp McKinley, and Colerain. Those were our last Whoa. five games, and um, it was it was just a, up until like two years ago, it was the last time that Colerain had lost at home. We beat them the first year I was there, and then. Um, they had beaten Moeller one time in the history of the school. They both were opened in 1960, Moeller and LaSalle, and we thought we could beat them. The second year I was there, we thought we could beat them. So we went to Moeller to play, and we took 18 buses of students 
to the game. And they all had red shirts. They called it the Red Army, and they all came over this hill. It was pretty cool. So we're, we're warming up before the game. It's at Moeller, and um, Bob Crable was the new coach at Moeller. He played at Notre Dame, was the number one draft pick. He played at Moeller, was the number one draft pick of the New York Jets, All-American at Notre Dame. So in the, in the pregame, you know, when the officials come out and they talk to you, they're, they're going to have a reunion of Moeller's first state championship team with Jerry Faust was the head coach. So Coach Faust comes out with Bob Crable to, with the officials when the officials come to talk to you. I'm standing there waiting for them to come over to me. And when, the, when Coach Faust and Coach Crable come out, all of the officials start hugging Jerry Faust. They start hugging him and slapping him. <laughs> up, and I'm like, this, this does not look good for the LaSalle Lancers when the officials are all fired up to see Jerry Faust. So we come out to start the game, and they have this, like, 50-yard tunnel of all the former players in the history of, Sa- of Moeller. It was like, oh, my gosh, this could be. And Michael Munoz was playing, and their line was enormous. When they, they would run, like, outside zone, and, you know, they're all sprinting to the sideline. You can't even see across <laughs> the – you can't even see the, the, the other sideline. They're, they're so big. So we're losing with – like a minute 30 to go in the game, we're losing by six points. We get the ball on our own 12-yard line, and we have no timeouts, and we drive the length of the field and score, and we win the game. Wow. Second time in the, in the history of the school. They beat, they beat Moeller, and people are just going berserk. It was, it was crazy. And then, you know, but then the next week you play St. Xavier. And then next, you know, so – the competition, we had some great players. I always have said, if you would combine the skill guys that we had at St. Ed's when we were there with the line guys that we had at LaSalle, it would be mm-hmm. the best team in the history of high school football because we had line. We had a guy named Brent Selig that played tight end. He played for the Eagles for about 10 yes. years, the Super Bowl champ. A guy named Ryan Stanchek that was a – first-team All-American at West Virginia. I mean, we just had big, tough linemen. Um, but we just, but it, the skill level was a little different, and um, it was just, um, it, was, it was amazing competition, amazing. And my family loved it there. Um, and then Solon called. So, you know, my wife's from Cleveland. My parents are from up here. Um, it was we. It was lucky that my we were down with my grandmother and my our children, our older children, got to be around her and we helped take care of her when she was getting sick. But you know, your whole family is up here. So when Solon, I you know, I had worked for Byron Morgan as an assistant and he was the athletic director and and they asked me to apply and I did and um, and then I got the job at Solon in 2003. So we moved back. Okay. All right, and then mm-hmm. after 42 years, and like I said, of coaching, of, of coaching football, yeah. you know, this year and this past November, this November of COVID, you stepped down. So talk about what that's like and, and what you're expecting coming up into this next season because you won't be you'll you'll be a part of it, but you won't be running the football program anymore. No, yes. Well, you can't you can't do both. You can't do you can't coach and um, be an administrator in the district. 
Um, they let me do that for the last two years. I've been doing both, but that was because it was like midstream. Um, and um, so then, I mean, and we knew this was this was going to come that I'd have to make a decision. Um, so and 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 that that's the way that the system works. So I, I get it. I'm not complaining or anything like that. Um, and you know, I I guess you we have good coaches on our staff. It was a very um, open process. It took a long time to find a new coach. Um, I would not suggest that anybody be on a committee to replace yourself moving forward. I had to be because I'm the athletic director. But when you're doing that, you're going to look at how do we make this better? What what wasn't good? What do we have to improve on? You know, so sometimes that was kind of hard listening to people <laughs> saying stuff that, you know, that, that should be done differently or, or that, and that they're supposed to say that, but you don't always want to hear that, you know, mm-hmm. for those things. So, um, so, and I coached my son, Pat, a couple years ago. Um, we were debating. I was offered the job at Camp McKinley. So we were debating if, oh, wow. if, if, we, should, if we should take that job or not. And when I say we, it's a family, family decision. And um, um, we decided not to and stay at Solon. So I ended up coaching my son, Pat, who's, who's going to graduate here in a couple weeks. And there was pros and cons to that. A lot of people didn't like that, for sure. Um, he took a lot of grief for that. I think it, I think it made him tougher, made him stronger. Um, when I was the coach at St. Ed's, our, our four older children were all, you know, like four years of five years apart. And I was, I was young and, and nervous and uptight, and I didn't really let him come around to much of anything. Um, and then when we came to Solon, we, Pat was, was a month old when we got here, and then Brian, was, who's a freshman now, was born in 2005. Those guys have come to everything. They, they're, when, I go to, when I go to Solon, they would come with me. And they would be, nice. if I was there for eight hours, they were there for eight hours, we'd come home and my wife would say, what, what did the boys do? And I said, I have no idea. I, I mean, <laughs> they, they were building forts. They were beating the snot out of each other on the practice field while we were practicing. I mean, so they, they, I've done everything with them. And uh, hopefully I'm, I've been a better father, too, from kind of doing this again. And, um, and Brian, you know, I think he would choose that I'd be his coach also like I was Pat. But mm-hmm. time marches on, and um, you reach points in your life where you have to make a decision. Um, and, you know, some things are for your family and, and, and you know, the, the time commitment and, and those things. And it's a different time commitment for sure. We have 26 sports at Solon. Um, and so then you multiply each of those by about, you know, three for freshman JV oh, and varsity yes. and, um, and, you know, doing being the head coach and, my goal is to take I, – I, I think I'm – I think people would say that I'm passionate about the task that I'm a part of and, and try to bring that to all of the sports that we have and not just football. So um, it's a new challenge. It's totally different. My office looks right into the stadium. Um, so I, 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 I'm very nervous about when practice starts August 1st, looking out that window. I'll be totally honest and seeing them out there practicing, and I'm not out there. Um, but my son is going to Kent State to play football, so that'll be something. Um, the one thing, I, my son Brian, he's, he was a good player, and he got moved up to the varsity this year. Um, and um, 
he would ask me, like after practice at times, he would say, hey, what, how did I do in this and how did I do in that? And I'd say, Bri, I, I didn't see it. You know, I'm, I'm going from station to station and, and doing stuff. So, I, you know, I told him, well, maybe now I can watch you more because I can, you know, I'll focus on you and I don't have to focus on the, the 80 other guys that are out there, you know, um, just mm-hmm. being able to watch and things like that. So it's a new challenge. I, I love athletics and I love, you know, I love what I do and, and being a part of it. Um, there's, you know, good days and bad, like in, in every job, but um, it's still, you know, they still want me to work there. So that's a huge plus too. That's a so, big day. Yes. Um, yeah. You know, and um, I look at it as not what you don't have, but, or I would say I'm very proud that I was able to do this for, you know, 42 years, 32 years as a head coach, very proud of the people that I was with, of which mm-hmm. you are one. And I hope they would say the same thing. And now, um, now I get to do something different. And that doesn't mean that I still, you know, wouldn't be interested or want to be a part of those people's lives that I've already been a part of. So I think okay. we're fortunate in that because, you know, their job, they don't have the bonds with people that they work with like we have in coaching, if that makes sense. Like the bonds that you create from playing and coaching. Um, some careers, I don't know, I have two friends that are accountants. I don't, I don't listen to them talk about their accountant friends the way I talk about my coaching friends or guys that I coached with or played with. And I'm not criticizing them. I'm just saying it's a different, it's a different bond from what you go through and things like that. So yes. Um, yes. it'll be interesting. I might be calling you to, to say, how do, how do you, let's go watch a game or something with Coach Flaherty. I don't know. I, I, I'm totally <laughs> lost here. So we'll see. So, um, and you know how the profession goes. There will be a lot of people that will be glad that I'm not out there coaching. That's for sure, you know. And, and I mean, that goes with the territory and, and those things. I get that. So, um, and, and the guy who we hired, Brian Wisniewski, he's been an assistant with us for 10 years. He's a great guy. He is fired up. He's, you know, he's doing some different things that I think will help our, our program. Uh, we have a big challenge in, it, with the game of football today of getting people to play. Um, and anyone thinks, who thinks it is not a challenge, they're, they're deceiving themselves. Um, a lot of parents are not sold on the game for their younger children. And if they don't play wow. or are around it when they're young, they don't just take it up when they're older. So we have to change a lot of the things that we do in the game. And, and we coach a lot differently. We have the last 10 years than we did when you played or when I played. I mean, it's different. And it's a great game, and it's worth saving. But you have to be willing to adapt and adjust, or you won't be, we won't be able to save it. And you have a lot of good people trying to do it. The Cleveland Browns do more for youth football than any other team in the NFL. They work endlessly trying to help promote the game of football the right way. And, and I've been on meetings with Coach Kyle and other people in the area, and I will always give the Browns credit because they by far are the leaders in the NFL of giving back. And um, we, all of us who have played, we need to do what we can to continue this game or, or it won't be around. And, and, and that's, I don't think any of us would want to see that. Wow, well said, and that is a frightening reality, honestly, yeah. thinking about that. Wow. Yeah. Wow. 
right. Well, well, Coach, I'm going to have to wrap this up, but never say never. Is there ever a scenario where you'll be back on the sideline calling plays and leading another team, maybe not Solon, but another team? I I don't know. I I mean, I know right now when they do stuff that's that's different. Like the the like the first the worst day of the year this year was the Monday after Christmas vacation because that's when you always start. That's usually when you start your off season program. So mm-hmm. when they started that in January, that was a, that was a terrible day. I I was I was just down because I was it was weird. The the weight room's right next to my office. Well, I'm not going to go in there. That's not fair to the new coaches if I'm, you know, looking over their shoulder or anything like that. And I will help them any way they need. So, um, and then you, you remember, we would always go somewhere in the springtime as coaches to learn, to colleges, to learn and stuff. They went to Pittsburgh. So that was, that was different. So I think it's just when things are new. Um, I agree, though. If someone would ever call me and say, "Hey, would you be interested?" I would, I would look into it. Um, but you know, I'm definitely comfortable. Good friend is Tom McDaniel's. He does a lot with our, did a lot with our team, coached on our staff. He did, he's doing it now. In fact, my two sons are with him right now in in Maslin, throwing and catching with them. They go there every oh, wow. Sunday, and um, okay. he 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 went through the same thing and, 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 you know, he came back, but then it wasn't the same, you know, he would say. And so I, I don't know. I, I don't know. I, I, I'm not, that's not in my plan, but you know, you, you call never me. Say never. A, you, you call me, you're starting a team in North Carolina. Maybe my wife will move down there when the kids are gone. <laughs> and we'll, I'll carry, I'll pick up the towels for you while you're calling plays and I'll, I'll take you out in the sideline. So. Who knows? Oh, know. you can return the favor. Yeah. You can be my bucket boy like I was for you, right? Yeah, geez, <laughs> we'll see. So, yeah, who knows? Man. I love it. I love it. Yeah. All right, Coach. Yeah. Shameless plug time. Brag on yourself again. Plug your social media, for even if it's for the school, and your upcoming camps at Solon. Yeah, we have, our, our, we have an athletic Twitter account. It's at Solon Athletics. The football is at Solon FB Info. That's the Twitter for the football department. I don't do that anymore, but but they they do a ton of things. I do the athletic ones. We have camps all summer for all of our sports, just about every sport that we have. Uh, we're starting in the end of May uh, a youth camp, two Sundays in a, just a youth instruction, just to talk about fundamentals with the parents being there also to talk about the things we're doing to you know new tackling, protect the helmets, the kids, and everything like that. We do everything through the Solon Community Center. So if you go on the Solon, SolonOhio.org, go to recreation. It's on the Solon Community Center. It's a great place to live. Anybody's looking to move to Northeast Ohio, we have the number one rated school district in the state of Ohio. Um, the last 10 years combined, national merit semifinalists and commended students. We have more than any other school in the state of Ohio, public or private. Um, Wow. We have the number one ranked uh, music department in the state of Ohio. So if you're looking for a place to live, and it doesn't matter what your children do, you know, the arts, academics, athletics, um, we think we have it here. We're very proud of our city. And it's an extremely diverse city also. 
Um, our population is extremely diverse, um, Asian, Indian, Jewish, black. Uh, we are very proud of our diversity in Solon also. So uh, great place uh, to be. I'm a proud Comet right now, just like I was a proud Lancer, a proud Eagle with Chris Williams and all the guys. And um, wherever you're at, that's the best place to be, right? Because you can, make, you right. can do something to make that place better. So yes. make the place you're at better, and good things will come for you either in that place or to go somewhere else. All right. Well, Coach McQuaid, you always give me goosebumps, and this has been a privilege. So I truly thank you for taking the time to share your story out of my podcast, and I wish you and your family well and continued safety and success to all of you. So thank you once well, again thanks. for coming on the podcast. Oh, thanks, Chris. I appreciate it. And uh for having me on. Like I said, I was stunned. So to have me on, it's an honor. And um, we'll, I'll always consider you a great friend and appreciate everything you've ever done for me. And maybe we'll have some pumpkin roll here down the road here and honor your mom someday soon. There you go. The, the best <laughs> pumpkin roll in the world. <laughs> your mom knew it too. So. Yes, she did. Especially when you left it in the office. And <laughs> oh. Oh, <laughs> yes, yes. Uh, yeah. Thanks, thanks for that. Okay. <laughs> All, right. All right. Thank you, Coach. Okay.